Let's go to our, 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 let's go to our, our uh, text for today, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20. I, wanna, I tell you what, I've been reading it to you. How about you all join me and read this out loud, okay? Because this is our last one. Ready? Proverbs 18, 20, let's begin. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right word brings satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And if there's a reaping, then that means there was a sowing. And remember, it's not big things. It's the little things you speak and say that bring it about. And so today, if we're going to talk about seeds, there's one thing I know that the word of God is, it is a seed. God never gives you the oak tree. He always gives you the nuts and say, plant it. And then the fruit begins to happen. So we're going to talk about letting God's word get in your words. If speech therapy needs to happen, then what are the right words that I bring into my life? How many know that words do matter? Words matter. When you speak positive or negative, they matter. It can change things. You know, it's kind of like the little elderly woman that was just feeling real super lonely, just super lonely, and she had nobody to talk to, so she decided she's going to buy her a parrot so the parrot would talk to her. And she bought the parrot, just stared at the parrot, parrot stared at her, wouldn't talk. She went to the pet store manager and said, my, my parrot won't talk. He says, oh, well, what the parrot needs is he needs a ladder. If you just give him a little ladder, he'll, he, he, you know, he'll start working a little bit and he'll start talking. So she bought the ladder, stuck the little ladder in there. Parrot just stared at the ladder. Next, no, no, parrot didn't talk. She couldn't figure out, wouldn't talk. She went back and said, it's been a couple days now, he won't talk. He said, well, what, what, what is he doing? Is he using ladder? No, he's not using ladder. Well, she goes, I, no, I'll tell you what. They love swings. If you get him swinging, he'll get happy and, and he'll start talking. He needs a swing. She said, okay, I'll buy a swing. She put a swing there beside the ladder, put a swing on it. Stared, parrot just stared at the ladder days. Parrot didn't talk, just didn't use a swing at all. She went back to the pet store manager. She said, look, I've tried, the, I've tried the ladder. I've tried the swing. Something's not working. He said, a mirror. They love mirrors. If they see a mirror, they'll think it's another parrot. They'll start talking. They love mirrors. So she bought the mirror, stuck the mirror in there. All the parrot did was just look at the mirror, turn around, and still nothing said. Next morning, parrot's dead. She goes to the pet store, and she says, my, my parrot's dead. She said, he goes, the parrot died? She said, yeah, he died. He said, well, did he say anything? She said, yeah. Don't they have any food down there? It'll hit you about midnight tonight. It'll hit you about midnight tonight. See, the, the thing is, is that for some of us, we're trying to give life to situations in our marriage, our home and everything, and you want to swing, you want a ladder, you're trying mirrors, you're trying everything, but until you get the food of the word of God inside of you, you'll be weak, you'll be emaciated, you will lose every battle, but once you start speaking the word of God in your words, how many know things start happening? They start happening. I mean, words are powerful. All it takes is for the chairman of the Federal Reserve just to simply say, uh, you know, say one word. Jerome Powell has to just say recession, and guess what happened? Our markets just start tumbling, and not just here, but around the world. That's exactly what happens, friends, is that when all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when someone speaks a word, things begin to move. But I will tell you something that's more powerful is the word of Jesus Christ, things starts moving. 
Come on, at his word, the world was formed. At his word, the dead would rise. At his word, the blind eyes would see. At his word, all of a sudden, bondages would break off. At his word, demon-possessed people would be liberated and set free. I'm telling you, when you start meditating on the word and living in the word and abiding in that word, that word starts living through you, starts speaking through you. How many know? Things are going to start to come to life and go in a direction you never dreamed if you'll just get his word inside of your words. Amen? Get his word in you. So there's two things I want you to grab today. If you want the word to really work in you, if you really want speech therapy, it's not going to happen outside of the word. So here's what the word does. You have to let his word operate. You have to let it operate. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. It says, for the word, and that word is the word of God, logos, L-O-G-O-S, logos. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And piercing, circle the word piercing, as far as the division, circle division, of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, able to judge, circle the word judge, circle that, the thoughts, so there's something about your thinking that's getting into your language. Your thoughts and the intentions of the heart. A lot of people speak because they feel. He says, but the word does something, and let's just break it down. You've got to let the word operate on you. Some of us need surgery spiritually, and the word is what does it. So let's look at it. The word pierce there. It says the word pierces. God's word pierces, and that word piercing that's in there literally means to reach through or penetrate. That's what it does. What this means is, is that the word of God penetrates through areas that no one can see and you can't even see with your physical eyes. It goes into areas that you have kept hidden and didn't even know that you kept hidden. So if the word of God can reach into areas you thought he could never reach, how many know that means that his word will heal areas you thought could never be whole? You were sexually abused as a child, I'm telling the word can actually get in there and start bringing healing to you. Your, 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 your previous marriage broke up and wounds were brought against you, he can actually heal you. You went to another church and you had church hurt, his word can actually get in and start healing you. But when we're looking to the ladders of leaders to be the one to make me feel good, when we're looking to our wife, you're the ones that's supposed to make me feel better. You're, my husband, you're the one that's supposed to get this straight for me. If you're going to keep using ladders, and you're going to keep using swings, and you're going to keep using mirrors, it's never going to work until you get the food of the Word of God planted deep. Oh, don't let me preach this by myself today. Because the Word heals. It's like a CAT scan. You, you can get x-ray, but they still don't know what's wrong. There's still something wrong. There's still something wrong. The Holy Spirit is a CAT scan. It's an MRI that literally reveals. So it doesn't skim, folks. The Word of God doesn't skim. You may pull that promise out of a promise box, but you keep reading that scripture. It's not going to skim. That word pierces. It goes to areas you never dreamed. Keep going to that small group. Keep coming to church. Keep reading the Word. It is digging down deep and getting into areas it gets the hidden things of your life, folks. The Word of God has dealt with the hidden things of my life that no counselor has been able to do. I'm not against counseling because I've had it. But I'm telling you, the Word is what digs deep. So what's it digging into? Places you don't even realize are there. Now here's how we know it. 
Because when the writer of Hebrews writes this, he says that the word pierces and it pierces between the soul and the spirit. Those are not the same thing. Your soul and your spirit are not the same thing. Every person that's living and breathing is made up of three things. You ready for this? You all, every one of us, you are a spirit. Before you were flesh and body, you are a spirit. God is a spirit and those who worship him will worship him in spirit and in truth. You are a spirit. Watch this. You have a soul and it lives in a body. Let me say it again. You are a spirit before everything. That never dies. Never goes away. You have a soul. God gave you soul and you live in a body. He's saying that there are so many things that people don't realize that are soul and those things that are spirit. So when you see the word soul there in the Greek, it literally is the word suke, which literally means the soul, the mind, the will, and emotions. So guess what? You are a spirit. You have a mind, a will, and emotions. That's the soulish realm of every living person. And you have the spirit. The spirit is the word, the, 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 the word, it's the word pneuma. That's where you see the word spirit or the breath of God. It is the breath of God. When God breathed into Adam's nostril, he became a living being and he had a mind, will, and emotions. Are you watching this very closely? His word goes in not just to your spirit to regenerate you, but his word when it gets in you can start fixing the damaged emotions from traumatic events in your life it can heal your will that keeps on failing and you want to get free, but you can't get free from this one issue in your life. He can start empowering your will and he can start changing the way you think. How many thank God that when you keep getting the word around you, it is going to start restoring things that are damaged, broken, and make them whole. But you got to know this between the two. So watch this. So the word doesn't just pierce, but it divides. It said it divides. The word division there, it says brings division between soul and spirit. Why would he say division? Because we are mixing the two and getting confused. We allow one to be dominant over the other. Now watch closely this. The word division there means to divide or to distribute. Now listen, as believers sometimes, watch this, as Jesus followers, sometimes we're motivated by our spirit because of the spirit of God regenerating us when we got saved. But sometimes we as believers don't lean to the spirit of God that regenerated us. We lean to the soulish realm, our mind, our will, and emotions. We become suke dominated instead of pneuma, spirit dominated. And God's word helps believers divide and make clear when something is spirit led by God or if you're allowing your mind, will, and emotions to dominate over the regenerated spirit through the word of God in your life. Does that make any sense, everybody? So here's what the word does. The word becomes like a scalpel, and it skillfully begins to expose and cut away unbiblical thoughts, bad attitudes. His word gets in there and starts showing you which one is which. But you have to have the word, or you don't know which one is which. That's the reason why you've got believers getting duped into unsound doctrine and lifestyles that they were delivered from, but because they feel like God didn't take away from them, then God must accept it. It's because they're not allowing the word to show them and delineate the clear path of this is the way, walk in it. 
How many think it's time to let the word divide and conquer? So it divides. Now watch this. He also says that the word judges. Judges. Let the word judge you and me. Now the word there, that word, he says the word, that word is logos or the word of God. The word of God helps you know the difference. It helps you start dividing it. It pierces into the areas no one's ever gotten into. But that word, logos, is where it's not just the word of God, but logos is where you get the word logic. It gives you the logical, sensible direction to go. And that word judge literally means to critique or to discern. Watch this, to critique or discern. So the word of God helps you discern it, helps you divide it, and then it gives you the logical, clear thing on which way to go. Now watch this. Adam, in the first sin, decided to judge for himself instead of letting God's word judge the situation. You remember? Here comes the serpent. He says, if you'll eat of this fruit, you will live. You'll be like God. You remember that? It was at that moment that Adam decided, you know, I really do like it. It does look appealing. And maybe he's right. Maybe Satan is right. But he didn't use God's word to judge it. He used his own suke, his mind and will emotions, to dominate instead of letting the spirit of God and the word of God help him discern it and say, oh no, you're wrong. This is clearly wrong. He didn't, he didn't do that. He allowed, his, he allowed his mind, will, and emotions to dominate. Now watch this is so clearly. You say, well, he didn't have a Bible. Oh, yes, he did. Adam had a Bible. It was only two verses, but he had a Bible. Don't make it clear. He had the word of God. God said, of this whole place, eat all you want and enjoy. I made it just for you. But here's my word. You see that one tree in the middle of it called the tree of the wisdom of the knowledge of good and evil? Don't eat it, for in the day you eat it, you will surely die. He did have a Bible. And when Satan came along, he started messing with his mind, his will, his emotions. And Adam should have not let his suke dominate. He let his he let his, he didn't allow, he allowed his suke to dominate. He didn't let the spirit of God and the word of God to dominate the situation. And guess what he did? He said, I'm going to judge this for myself. I'm going to tell you what I feel is right. And what I feel is right is this ought to be mine because I feel it. Guess what happened, everybody? The same thing is for you and me. If you'll start taking the word of God, if you're in a challenge or you're walking through something that just seems so challenging, you get God's word. If you'll start taking God's word and just keep consuming it, get around it, study it, meditate on it. If you'll keep on hanging around it, can I tell you what will begin to happen? God's word will actually reverse the course of those things that you used to allow to dominate you because you're making his word and him the ultimate judge. And that is what gives you the ability to overcome. I, I, it's, it's logic. He gives you actual logic to read the situation by the word instead of, well, I feel, I feel. Stop your I feel. <laughs> what does God say? Who's going to be the judge? His word judges. 
I mean, some of us, we're shaking our heads going, I can't believe our culture is where it is right now. Because a five-year-old, a boy, may all, all of a sudden grab his little sister's doll. Now we're wondering, is the kid messed up? And now we're getting to gender reassignment when the word of God says they were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. He made them both male and female. Now, you know why you applaud? Because it's logical. It's logos. It's logic. But how could some people who feel they are so intellectually enlightened above the word of God that they feel like their cerebral cortex has been so well endowed that it is more superior than the wisdom and the word of God for logic, for life and blessing. Now say, let's give the child a, a puberty blocker. Now I rarely, I rarely go to the world for something that affirms the word of God. I don't follow Bill Maher. I don't I don't, uh, I don't watch Bill Maher. I, I, don't, I, I know he probably needs Jesus really bad. He's an entertainer. I get it. But whenever I see the world have some semblance of logic lined up with the word of God, I, I just saw this. I, I love what he said. And this, I, for my, I don't think he's even a Jesus follower. He says, if kids knew, this is what he said, if kids knew that what they wanted to be at age eight the world would be filled with cowboys and princesses. I wanted to be a pirate. Thank God nobody took me seriously and scheduled me for eye removal and peg leg surgery. Now, I'm not telling you to go follow him, but the reason why it's, it's because it's logic. It's just logic. And sometimes what happens is, is we don't understand logic. So we're making decisions in our marriage that are not logical. Some of you are doing things with your body that are not logical. Some of you are doing things with your money that is not logical. And when you hear something from God's word, the Adam Suke gets in a man or woman and says, that's all they're after is money. Something gets in them and says, well, I feel, and if, God, if I was God, we get, you and I do that. If Adam, who walked and lived and breathed and talked with God, will do it, I promise you and I will do it. And so Sam Reifel has to take the word of God to judge it, to critique it, to divide it, and say, when my attitude is wrong or there's a situation, you have to bring in, get counseling, talk to people. But the bottom line is, you better keep bringing the word of God in because it is the only one that will help you divide it. It'll pierce to the real problem that you're dealing with. It'll go in and heal that problem. You keep applying that and you let it judge it. He will begin to do a work to operate in you in a way no one else could ever operate you because the word of God brings true logic and wisdom. That's the reason why Psalm 119 verse 130 says, the teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. Logic. Logic. 
logic. I need logic when I'm dealing with issues in my life. I need the word to pierce down instead of my own attitude. What is the spirit of God saying through his word? But the further I get away from it, the more I become the judge and I become suke dominated instead of spirit dominated by the word. How many of you following me? The word has to do what? Operate. That's why he even says in there that the word cuts. Oh, it cuts. Everybody say cuts. It cuts. Hebrews 4.13. Let's go on down that scripture. He's still talking about the word. He said, and there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare. Circle that real big. Open and laid bare. To the eyes of him with whom we have to do. That literally means everybody is going to be accountable for, to God. Everybody. Me. Atheist. Everybody is going to be accountable to him. Whether we like it or believe it or not, we will all be accountable to God. And he says, when those things, it gets opened and laid bare. Now, let me, let me explain that, that open and laid bare. That is not warm, fuzzy theology. Let me just tell you, if you're looking for a feel good this morning, this one isn't so feel good. That open and laid bare is strong language. In the Greek, the laid bare literally means to seize by the throat or neck. He says, the word of God, let it seize and grab it by the neck. Now, let me show you the real word picture behind all that. This is describing the bending back and the exposing of an animal's neck to slit the neck and to slaughter it. I told you, this isn't warm fuzzy. This is, he's talking about the suke, mind, will, and emotion that is not led by the Spirit of God or the Word of God. He says, everything will be opened and laid bare, pulled back, cut away. I'm trying to tell you that God has big plans for your suke. <laughs> He's got big plans for it. Now, the picture of this is the Old Testament priest. Let me explain this. Let's go back and look at this. The Old Testament priest would make sacrifices required by the Lord. And so here's what would happen. There was an altar. It was the foreshadow. Watch this. It was Old Testament. They take the animal and they had an altar and they would tie the animal's limbs to the four corners of the altar so it could not go anywhere. Then the priest would pull back the neck of the animal sacrifice and it would slit the throat and then that blood sacrifice met the obligation and atoned for the people's sin. It never took away their sin. It only covered it because it was a foreshadow of something greater. What this was is this was the obvious picture of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ would be opened and laid bare, murdered, killed, crucified for blood to take away Sam Reifkogel and your sins forever and never to be held against him again. How many thank God for that sacrifice? Amen? That's obviously the picture here. Okay, but listen closely. Why did Jesus endure the cross? It was to conquer our sin and to conquer the exalted mind, will, and emotion of Sam Reifkogel to help him dominate and conquer it so that he would bring the word and the spirit of God into it and bring life to him and be life-giving instead of destruction to his life. And the word cuts, friends. It cuts. So here's the word. Let his word operate on you. Get alone with God. Get that word. Let it operate in you. Instead of cutting words out of your mouth, let the word of God cut things out of your life. 
Instead of cutting words, let the word of God cut. Let it cut out sin. Let it deal with the attitude. Let it deal with the bitterness. Let it deal with the rejection. Let it deal with the bondage. Let it deal with the fear. Let it deal with every big issue. And just keep bringing God's word into the situation and watch the word penetrate down to the real issue. Watch him help you start judging and determining what is God, what is spirit. Watch him start giving you the, the ability to cut out things out of your life that you could never ever seem to get over yourself, but by his word you got free. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, when you first came to Jesus Christ, you were dealing with issues and attitudes in your life, but as you got into the word, God started cutting that stuff away and you're not what you used to be. You thank God he helped you cut that out. He just started helping you cut that out. So the word operates. Let it keep operating in your speech. Here's the last thing. You got to let the word occupy. Now, when I use the word occupy, occupy means to live, to dwell, or to remain. Let him move in. Don't give him a bedroom. Don't give him the mother-in-law suite. Give him the entire house, the closets, every issue of your life. Let him move in. Let him occupy, let his word occupy every area. See, we compartmentalize. We want him in our money over here, so I'm, I'm gonna be a giver, I want money here, but I won't let him get into my sexuality over here. Or I'll let him into my sex life, but I won't let him into money. I'll, I'll let him into my money, but I won't let him deal with my daughter-in-law and my son-in-law. That's gonna be a separate issue over here. That's between me and them. Let him get into every bedroom, every secret place. Let him get into the drawers at your house and look in every drawer, look in the back. Let him get into the junk drawer to get all the junk. Let him into every single space and occupy and let him stay there. Now, how many know this is a pretty heavy word today? Well, it's going to be the last one, so it's got to be heavy, right? Now, the writer of Hebrews, I mean, he has some powerful words, some powerful words of encouragement now. After he gets through this, he has powerful words after the knife of the Holy Spirit and the Word starts cutting away at Sam's suke that he's allowing to dominate. He goes after, but he gives a great powerful word. Watch this. Ready? Verse 14. Since, the, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Here it is. got to occupy. Let us hold fast our confession. Can you read those last, that last underlined words out? Say it out loud with me. Let us hold fast our what? There's something I'm holding to and there's something I'm speaking. The word hold fast there actually means to seize or to take possession. To seize and take possession. To grab it, to go after it, and possess it. I love seeing you all in church today. Can I tell you how proud I am and how proud the Lord is that you are in here going after the Word of God today? You could have done anything else. You could have stayed home. You could have gone golfing. You could have washed the car. You could have stayed by the lakeside. But you are here seizing, grabbing a hold, and possessing the Word of God. That, my friends, is how you overcome. Keep seizing. Keep holding. Keep grabbing. Do it. 
I don't care in the break room if somebody thinks you got your Bible out again, well, you're reading the Bible again. It's your break room, you seize it, you hold it, you consume it, you take possession of it. I don't care when you get up in the morning, you got an unsaved husband, you're gonna get in that Bible again, that Jesus stuff, you just keep doing it. Just keep on seizing, holding, hang on. Don't turn loose, don't turn loose. I don't care if your friends mock you at school, you hold on, you seize, and do not turn loose. This stuff is making a difference in your life. That means to hold. Now, 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 let me give you the word picture in the Greek, the, the concept of that word. It literally meant to set or to hold, watch this, a nautical course, a nautical course, or to steer toward. And I love that it's a nautical course because here's what would happen. When embarking on a seafaring journey, the navigator would set the course, the compass, or see this particular star, if you were back in that time, or set a course, and he would not sway from it when they were on the seas. And the reason he couldn't sway from it was because storms would come in. And regardless of the storm, they set toward that nautical course. That means you hold on no matter what winds or waves come into the marriage, come to your body, come to your finances, come into your relationship, come into your culture, set the nautical course on the word of God in your heart and don't sway. Quit worrying about everybody else. Quit worrying about everybody else. Sam Reifkogel needs to take care of Sam Reifkogel setting and holding the course. Whether people abandon the ship or want to get on the ship, I'm staying on the ship. It's brought me through many valleys in my life. It's kept me in line when I'm on the mountaintops of life. It doesn't let me believe my own press releases. I'm staying on it. Whether people abandon it or stay on it, I'm holding the course to what God's Word says in my life. I'm not here to fix anybody else. I'm here to fix Sam Rifle, and maybe if Sam Rifle, maybe someone might be influenced by what they actually see happening out of his life. And then it says confession. Everybody say confession. Hold of the word, seize it, take it, go after it. That devotion in the morning, you may say, I just don't feel like I'm getting it. Stay with it. I don't think I'm getting anything on the small group. Stay with it. Get in a small group. Stay with it. Stay in the word. Stay in church. Stay with it and then start confessing it. And you know what that confession, it literally means, the word confession there literally means agreement or to say the same words. In other words, you need to start saying what God says about you, not what you think or feel about you, or what others think or feel about you. You keep on saying what God says, even when you don't feel it, even when you don't see it, say it, pray it, praise it. You know what I love a lot about these praise songs is we're sometimes weeding here and say the things that are the biggest crisis in our life and you start singing it out. And how many, have you ever been there? Just like Brendan and me. We get in here, and I'm telling you, you start worshiping God, something because you're confessing the Word of God. Something supernaturally is imparted into you that gives you the ability to just keep on steering right through the storm. Amen. Stay on course. How many of you been there? How many of you have ever experienced that? Come on, up in the, up in the galleries, balconies. How many of you have ever experienced that? It's powerful. It's real. It's real stuff. Real stuff. So don't say what you think. 
Say what the truth says about you in the situation. Write it down. Write down what God says. Study what God says. Memorize what God says. Analyze what he says. Declare what he says. And say it out loud. When you start allowing the word of God to occupy your soul, it starts setting the course of your heart. It starts setting the course of your mouth. And it starts setting the course of your life. He's given you everything you need. Now watch this. Hebrews, Hebrews here's the last thing. Hebrews 4.14 says, let who? Let who? What does it say? Let what? Us hold fast what? Our confession. Have you noticed something here? God has done his part. This is Sam Reifkogel's responsibility. Sam Reifkogel has to keep holding and Sam Reifkogel has to keep confessing. Brenda can't hold for me. The board can't hold for me. My elders can't hold for me. They can hold me up, but they can't hold for me. Mama can't hold for you. Your wife has to be, stop being the one holding for you. Your daddy has to be the one holding for you. Your husband has to stop. You've got to hold yourself. You've got to confess. You've got to. Okay, how many of you got up this morning and used electricity this morning? Okay, the rest of you are off the grid, right? You're, on, you're in a tent. You're off the grid. <laughs> you don't use anything. We get it. We noticed. <laughs> How many used electricity this morning? I used electricity. It was a beautiful thing. Wonderful thing this morning. Use electricity. It was a great thing. I love electricity. And you know, um, I will never use all the power that DTE is giving me. I'll never use it all. There's plenty of power coming into my house that I will never use up. Never, never. There's unlimited, unlimited electricity. I will never use it all. And I have access to it. But do you know why I have access to it? Because I made a deal with DTE. I have a contract with DTE. I have a contract with them. Who is it? Consumers. Who's DTE? Gas? I have gas too. I have gas. I have gas too. Bad gas. Oh, bad gas. See, so now can you all tell who pays the bills in the house? Can you tell? How many other men are here with Pastor Sam? You can tell who pays the bills, right? Consumers. See? We have a contract with consumers. Brenda, we, me and that little mouse in my pocket, Brenda has a contract with consumers. Now watch this. Consumers was responsible for getting the power to my house because I could not get it there. I don't know nothing about getting power from that line into my house. Only consumers could get the power to the house. But I had to make a deal with consumers. And once I made that deal with consumers and they piped it into my house, I had authorization to use as much or as little of the power that they put to my house. Now, consumers has given me all the power that I will ever, I, I will never use all that power they give me. But here's one thing consumers will not do. I, cannot, I could not call them up this morning and say, hey, hey, listen, 
I'd like a cup of coffee this morning. Would you mind plugging in my coffee maker for me this morning? They did not say, right away, sir, we'll be right there, consumers. And the van didn't pull up and say, oh, here, we'll get plugged in for you. Here's your cup of coffee. They didn't plug in your curling iron for you. Consumers did not plug it in. They simply authorized me, but I had to get up and I had to seize the electricity and I had to possess it. And a lot of the things that we blame God on is our lack of responsibility to seize it to deal with that attitude, to seize it to deal with that issue or that confusion in my life and lay hold of it until the power starts changing things in my life. You have access to all the power you want. How many believe it's time to get plugged in and say, God, I lay hold of it. I reach out for the word. I let it operate on me. I let it deal with my attitudes. I let it judge. I let it discern. I let it do that. How many thank God the word is here today to flip on the light, just flip on the light and know he can save you. He can deliver you. He can heal you. He can fill you with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He can start bringing things that are wrong in your relationship. He can start correcting them, but it's going to take your pursuit of the Word. And the Word is Jesus, and the Word is what Jesus said. How many ready to taste and see that Jesus, the Word, is good? Amen. Come on, let's give Him praise in this house. The Lord is good. Amen. Come on, He is good. He is good.